Welcome to another episode of Called Bank Sports. It's been a while. We we took a break after the jazz loss. Uh, we, we needed our time. Spoke to uh, our therapists. It, it, it was it was a rough loss, <laughs> but now now uh, like I guess the good news, even even if the jazz lost, at least I hope you guys have been enjoying the good basketball that other teams have been playing because there's been a lot of good games. At, at take this in because once the finals are done, the playoffs are over. We we don't get much. I guess we get the Olympics, but that's not NBA basketball. So, so let's appreciate the playoffs while we have it. But in this episode, we want to talk about uh, kind of what the Jazz future looks like. Uh, maybe some things that they're looking uh, uh, looking for in the off season, or or just even long term with the Jazz. So, uh, I think the elephant in the room that probably everyone's heard about at this point is uh, what Dwayne Wade said about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, him thinking that. Mitchell might not be. Uh, I uh, how did he word it? Was he saying that he's not committed to the Jazz long term, or he just doesn't want to so, be here long term? Maybe. So I never listened to the Brian Windhorse podcast. That's where. It, um, wait, I can't remember now if it was Windhorse or if it was Woj. So should have done a bit more research on that. I believe kind of the wording that um they used specifically was concerned about Donovan Mitchell's either commitment or to the jazz or staying with the jazz long-term, which I mean, I don't really think is that big of a deal. Like, of course there's going to be some concerns. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has been in the league for four years. He's been really loyal to Utah, but this isn't a Damian Lillard situation where, you know, he's come out and like expressed his undying loyalty, which spoiler alert, it looks like that undying loyalty might be dying for Damian Lillard, but that's another story entirely. So that, I mean, that raises questions like if Portland has had a player who wants to be there, you know, and they maybe haven't been as concerned with his, him possibly deciding he wants to leave and changing that. Like why shouldn't the jazz as an organization be concerned about Donovan Mitchell possibly wanting to leave and not give him like control of the organization, like you know LeBron James or James Harden or other All Stars have, superstars have gotten, but make sure that like he knows his voice is being heard. Make sure that like you're keep you're making Utah be a situation where he wants to stay. Yeah, and I think I think that's exactly right. I think Mitchell wants to be where he can win. And obviously they had a great season this year, best record in the NBA. But when it came to the playoffs, um, I'm, I'm Mitchell was carrying them, and and I'm Mitchell. He has a certain level of blame for the losses. He didn't play great. To, he was injured though. But yeah, a, a lot of his teammates that were there in the regular season weren't showing up in the playoffs. Um, and so I. And so as the star, as the franchise centerpiece, I would imagine anyone in this position where they're like, okay, we did great in the regular season, but I'm tired of a second round exit and, and first second round exit. Cause that's obviously the furthest Mitchell has gotten. Like I would be a little bit upset. Obviously there was a whole issue of not letting him play the first game of the playoffs that uh, probably rubbed him the wrong way, and and maybe there's been other thing, other small things that he wasn't happy how they were handled. So, I don't think it's like an urgent situation that if things don't go exactly how he wants, he's going to request a trade. I think this is more a him realizing, okay, you like I might not stay in Utah forever if the situation isn't right. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think that's what he's looking at. Which I, I mean, I want that franchise guy, and I think Donovan Mitchell can be that. And you know, if the Jazz keep doing really good and making progress like they have been, I think he will be. But I mean, I don't. I wasn't here when Gordon Hayward left in free agency. I was in California, not paying attention to sports. But I think that there was a, a like a lack of concern about Gordon Hayward leaving. And obviously, I mean, while I don't want to necessarily speak of his name and trigger everyone, I do think people <laughs> wanted Gordon Hayward to stay. Like, imagine had Gordon Hayward stayed, you have Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert, and then Donovan Mitchell comes in. And maybe Donovan Mitchell doesn't get the, you know, the time that he ended up getting his rookie season and become this um, all-star he's become um, as quickly, or maybe not at all. But, like, I, I don't think that like the jazz fans wanted Hayward to leave at that point in time. So when you look at it from that perspective, like, yeah, we should be concerned because we weren't concerned about Hayward and because of that Hayward left. So if we're concerned about Donovan, that increases the chance of Donovan staying. Yeah. And, and the good news is Donovan is locked in long-term. So the jazz have control over that situation to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, I, if, if he demands a trade, I think they'll, um, I don't think they'll just be like, no, I, I think they'll listen to him. And because that's also a bad move for a front office. If your star demands a trade and you refuse to move them, you're not, it's going to be tough to get players to buy in and, and, and want to come there. So no, so, it definitely... so we, we, we do have a level of control, but also Mitchell also has a level of control in today's NBA. Yeah. So obviously, and obviously we don't know these people like on a personal basis, but with who Ryan Smith appears to be as an owner of this team and who Donovan Mitchell appears to be as a player and the level of integrity that they, you know, try to exude in their life and Ryan Smith's supporting of the social justice movement and looking to create more equality in the state and, you know, bouncing off and mirroring Donovan Mitchell in that way. I have a really hard time seeing Donovan Mitchell demand a trade because I just looking at that level, I think what it would take for Donovan Mitchell to demand a trade is to not have the support of the organization when it comes to that on the outside. Like I think he might leave in four years. You know, I think that's a possibility for basketball reasons. But I have a really hard time seeing seeing Utah get to the point where Donovan would want to leave for basketball reasons before his contract is up and demand a trade. Yeah, and and the good news is, like, even though the Jazz are kind of limited with, like, <laughs> it's kind of tight with what trades we can make and and what we can do in free agency. But even with that, like, and and I don't know whether you think this is a good thing or a bad thing, but Ryan Smith has been making changes in the front office and it sounds like there's going to be more changes made on that side of things um there's been rumors about shane battier coming so uh what what do you think like what what is your opinion of everything that's been going on there i know there's been like a lot of rumors and some some like drama that has just come out with um kind of some concerns between quinn and some members of the front office so yeah uh, i think you've been following this situation closer longer term than I have. So I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on all of this. So basically what I ended up gathering from kind of what I'm reading, and this is all of course, you know, rumors from sources. I think I read this in a trib article is Dennis Lindsay really wanted, um, 
Quinn Snyder to play deeper in the bench during the regular season to give players like Mione, Trent Forrest, um, Azabuki, who I don't think we were going to see a lot of just because of the injury he had, but to give those players more time to develop um, and to have a better opportunity. And Quinn Snyder wasn't doing that. Coach Q wasn't doing that because he wanted to win. Um, and obviously, like a lot of the time when you do that, you end up not having as good of an opportunity as winning. So that sounds like a place where they were butting heads. Um, and whether it was Ryan Smith, like saying, hey, Quinn Snyder wins out and I want you gone, Dennis Lindsay, which sounds like it was a lot less of a personal decision than Dennis Lindsay made it out to be, um, again, allegedly from sources. So, yeah, it looks like Ryan Smith just kind of was like, we have some butting of heads here and we're get, we're going to keep one of you and it's going to be, you know, Coach Q. It's going to be Quinn, who is one of the best coaches in the NBA bar none. And you can argue that coat that he needs to work on his adjustments, which I definitely agree that there can be some better adjusting. But overall, like it really, it really stinks to see, you know, the runner up for executive of the year leave like someone who, in my opinion, is one of the best um, front office role on like personnel in the NBA, who's probably going to end up, you know, in a year or two, maybe sooner heading to another team. But yeah, Ryan Smith wants to make some changes, which like he just bought in and obviously changes are a good thing. So hopefully that's what it'll end up being. But Dennis Lindsay is someone who's like hard to move on from. It's not like he's, you know, one of the greatest general um, front office personnel of all time. You know, it's not like moving on from LeBron James, but I mean, it's still like moving on from a relatively good player who's done a lot for the organization. And it's disappointing to see them move on when they still have gas left in the tank. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Like, I feel like I just said like, like eight times, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I think Ryan Smith is trying to, cause, cause this jazz team, I think a lot of people around the NBA, feel like this how things are set up we've kind of hit the cap which i i don't think they have i think yeah we, we can run it back next year and we have a good shot at even though the western conference is probably going to be tougher next year which is crazy to say because it was like if injuries didn't happen it would have been extremely tough this year uh but i think the jazz still have a great shot in the west i think they're still a great team but Obviously, this playoff run showed some weaknesses, and so I think I think they're trying to figure out. Like they know they need to make some changes. They're just trying to decide where the changes need to be made and how big of changes need to be made. Um, I don't think he's looking at a roster overhaul. I think that would be a little bit crazy at this point. Maybe if we have like a first round exit next year, then maybe that's something you want to look at. Yeah. But, so I think I think he looked at what he could change and he decided the front office was some like a big enough change that didn't throw every like blow everything up at this point. Um, no, I, I agree. I, I'm with guessing that. that's kind of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying, kind of like the jazz are at a point where I mean, to make improvements, blowing things up is kind of like. One of the options and obviously we're not like basketball experts and there's a reason why 
Dennis Lindsay, you know, and Justin Zanuck are like making millions of dollars a year. And maybe that's an exaggeration, but they're making a lot of money every year making these moves. Like they know what they're doing. But when you look at where the Jazz are at right now with an estimated salary cap for 2021 of 109 million with the luxury tax kicking in just after 132 million and the Jazz currently on the books have $134 million for next year without Mike Conley being on the books. That like kind of makes things crazy where the Jazz are going to be in the luxury tax this next season. Um, and with NBA restrictions and stuff, the Jazz aren't in a situation where like where they can go and sign, um, just go find a new point guard and sign them. Like they're, They have to work with what they have pretty much via trading, either keeping what they have or making trades. Um, you can't just go, you can go pick up veterans minimums, I think, but unless you're going to get Damian Lillard somehow, like getting out of his deal, <laughs> which has three years left and coming to you on a veterans minimum, like that's not going to work for you. And that's, so it's going to be interesting to see what the jazz look to do to make changes. Yeah. And, and like we, I think we had a couple we had, I know we had a trade video before the season, and I think we had a like trade video before the trade deadline in the middle of the season. And what we, we had a is, in case of emergency break this video like eight games yeah. into the season um, <laughs> when but, it was kind of every Jazz fan was freaking out. So, um, but yeah, definitely, if you guys have any trade ideas, um, leave them in the comments and. We'll kind of run through those maybe later down the line this off season and see what we and just kind of give our thoughts on those and we'll try to come up with some as well. And it's if you have any good ones, like let us know because I feel like every player on the Jazz is valuable and you have to give up a a big piece of the rotation in order to make any sort of decent trade. Yeah, um, like it's like and, and every like because Niang, well, he's a free agent. He's probably going to get a little bit more money. Uh, this off season because he's only around one and a half million. I think he's probably a four or five million dollar guy. Yeah, um, but it's like the Jazz. Like, are you going to give up the sixth man of the year or the runner up for the sixth man of the year? <laughs> are you going to give up the defensive player of the year? Like, um, if we're going to make a trade to really switch up the roster, it's like one of those three guys or Bojan. Um, I think it's really Joe or Bojan is what you're looking at as like the feasible trade like those players both have money Bojan's making just under 19 million joe's making 14 million um depending on how confident you are in azabuki um you could move Derek favors contract um and start running him at the backup role and or you could possibly move Derek favors contract anyway and decide that you're going to run with Ilyasova a lot more and um, like when Gobert's off the floor, maybe switch to some small ball to to kind of provide different looks. I do think there's a lot of value though to just trying to run the same system um, most of the time. Obviously, the Clippers have shown that if you have the personnel and you're able to effectively run multiple systems, um, as long as Kawhi, as long as the Suns don't get super lucky and Kawhi Leonard's out. <laughs> And they still might have won that series, but they're, the Suns are definitely a good team. They're, 
the Clippers have shown that versatility can be a great thing in the NBA if you have the personnel and the coaching staff who can handle it. So will the Jazz kind of try to move that way to have a small ball lineup to possibly throw at teams in the playoffs if they're throwing a small ball lineup at them? It, that's just something I could see the Jazz trying to do, trying to move towards. And and right now, e- even if we don't have a, like, right now's the time to for Quinn to drop that up and so that he can have yeah. it ready by training camp because like we at the beginning of the season we were nowhere close to being able to run a small ball lineup. We got Elias over in the middle, but he never really clicked. Just no time, COVID and, and, and everything. He's, just he's going to have to play um a, as good as his best season ever, which wasn't incredible, but like we'll need that from him. Yeah, to to make a small ball lineup work unless we make some trades. Um. So I I don't I don't see that happening unless we make some big trades. But I would love to see Quinn at least. Well, I we wouldn't see it, but I I would hope he kind of. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see it and plays with it. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I really think that what I would love to see if it was possible, and I don't think it's going to work, is if you were able to feasibly start running as a bouquet as the backup five. If that was able to work. Um, I love favors. I I love favors. I was so excited to see him back. But if you were able to go from paying favors um, just under ten million to paying Azabuki just over two million um, for that backup role, that would be a great kind of like money saver for the Jazz. And when I say money saver, I mean you're trading favors. So like you're able to put that money somewhere else into another player, possibly a a more athletic wing. But yeah, no, um, there's a lot of questions coming up for the Jazz in free agency. I think the biggest one is Mike Conley, which we wanted to talk a bit about today. But we definitely can't get as deep into Mike Conley as we're going to get this offseason in the the next couple minutes. Yeah, and and like if you look at the Jazz free agents, we don't have a ton of decisions to make. Like you said, it's not like we can sign many new people unless we make some trades to dump some salary. So it's, it's really, we're re-signing the people that we get unless there's a sign and trade or, or s- some other weird thing going on. But, um, yeah, that's the most yeah. important thing for jazz it's, fans to understand right now. Um, and just anyone looking at the jazz. So the jazz are in the luxury tax, which means you can't go out and sign a free agent that puts you more into the luxury tax. Um, that's why oftentimes you see, teams work out sign and trades. So if the jazz wanted to sign Mike Conley, they have bird rights on him, which means that they can sign him for however much money they could pay him $50 million a year. If the NBA salary cap would allow it and they could sign him for that. That's not going to happen, but they could. So Mike Conley is the easiest option to keep a starting point guard. Mm -hmm. The second option that you have is to draft someone, pick up a veteran minimum, um, just basically bring in someone dirt cheap. If you draft someone, though, the Jazz are in the 20s. I don't want them drafting a starting point guard um, in the 20s. I feel like that would be a big step backwards. So the most feasible option to move on from Mike then is a sign and trade. So you have to look at somewhere where you can say, hey, we'll sign Mike if you trade us this guy. So for if for whatever reason... um. New Orleans was really interested in getting some more veteran presence there and wanted Mike Conley. 
maybe you could do a sign and trade for Lonzo Ball, who's also a free agent. Now, I think that the money they're making is probably going to be on a different level, which would add some, you know, hiccups there to work through. But it's the Jazz are more like than not going to end up with Mike Conley at point guard next year. And there definitely are concerns of if he ends up going to L.A. Um, I heard Dallas, I believe, has some cap space and could give him a pretty good deal. And that would be an interesting fit next to Luca. But. Signing Mike Conley or doing a sign and trade with Mike Conley is vital for the Jazz's success. Would uh, I, Are there definitely reasons why I'd like to see somebody else at point guard? Yes. Like if you're able to go find a point guard who can play at Mike Conley's level and isn't injured, I would love that. But that's called an all-star. <laughs> Which Mike, Conley, Mike is. Conley is an all-star. But like if you wanted to find a younger all-star point guard, like maybe the Hawks would be open to us to like we sign Mike and trade them for Trey young. Easy. <laughs> they get all I, of our future picks. We here's what we'll do next week. We will do an episode like everybody talking about if the jazz were going to trade Rudy Gobert. Whereas pretty much what crappy players do we, what crappy and or really good players like do we have, we'll just do trades that are only good for the jazz, only good for the jazz. Just like everyone was like, well, we'll give you thice for um, Rudy Gobert. It's like Boston. No. Like, did you think before you posted this video or are you just going for the clicks? Like that's not going to work. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people, I, I've been seeing people saying like, Hey, I don't want to pay Conley like more than 10, 15 million, but agreed. I, I, I think what I, I think a lot of people are, are like, just prep yourself for this. Conley's going to get paid more than you think. He has all yeah. the leverage in the situation. If he walks, the Jazz don't have a starting point guard. And the Jazz have the ability to pay him a lot. So I bet he's going to get somewhere in the mid-20s. Uh, just because he has that leverage. It might be a two-year deal. It probably won't. The Jazz, if they have to pay him that much, it won't be a long-term deal. But right now, this season, he has all the leverage. The Jazz are probably going to overpay for Conley. Yeah. No, I think so. Um, The only thing that I have, like... And I need to look more into how the um, luxury tax work, luxury, luxury, lux. <laughs> I can't talk today. How the tax works. We'll just go with that. Um, but getting 20 million deep into the cap I, is going to be really expensive for the jazz. So I don't know how cognizant um, Mike is going to be of that. But I think, again, the biggest problem is if the jazz want to keep him. They're probably going to have to pay up because when you have, you know, the buses, mm in LA and when you have is it Bauer is that the owner of the Clippers um yeah, like it, all the championship contenders would love Conley and they're going to pay for him like you're going to have there's a high chance you see Mike Conley and Kemba Walker in LA next year Kemba Walker is an insane contract to move like i i saw some people thinking it was dumb to move it to Oklahoma City completely disagree with that like $30 million is insane to move. Like if you want to go take a look at the Lakers, um, like roster, try to put a $30 million deal together to get Kemba from Boston. Like if you're trading Anthony Davis or LeBron James, it's really easy, <laughs> but so yeah. it, no, this is, I know I just said there's a high chance Mike is in LA, but I think he'll be in Utah. Um, so that's obviously a contradictory statement, but 
it's crazy. It's going to be a rough off season for the jazz and they're going to have to make some moves. I, there's part of me that feels like you might not be seeing Joe Ingles and Derek favors in jazz uniforms next year, just because, and maybe Bojan, because I do think they're going to have to make at least one trade, at least one significant trade other than possibly a side and trade with Mike over the off season. And those are the chips that you have to move. So I don't know if you're going to, what you're going to find there. It's going to be a sad day, but I hope it, I hope it works out because it's like, I feel like all the jazz players fit in perfectly with jazz culture. So like seeing any of them leave is kind of sad. I will definitely finally buy a jazz Jersey. I will buy a Joe Ingles Jersey. If Joe Ingles gets traded, maybe I'll even like go out and buy a favors Jersey. Just since I mean, dang, those players have been such a great thing to have in Utah. I don't want to see them traded. I like, I want them to stay in Utah, but I do want the jazz to take a step forward. And I think that you can only have one of those options. But we'll see what happens. So let us know what trades you are thinking about in the comments. Let us know if we're absolutely crazy for discussing any trades at all. And if we should just roll it back next year, um, we're going to do our best to bring you great jazz content, jazz content over the off season as well. And just like and subscribe. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs>